cross, and Dempsey is denied again, and Donovan has scored! Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA! Catabel, la vaca, Ama Rodríguez tirando, golazo, taque, 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 gol, gol, vino, 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 gol de Mundial, taque, taque, gol, gol, taque, taque, gol, 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 taque, taque, gol. Oh, Zinedine, oh, Zinedine, pas ça, pas du tout, pas ça, Zinedine. Pas ça, Zinedine. Oh non. Oh non, pas ça. Bienvenidos and welcome to Bend It Like Beckett. I am your host, Scott Bedgood, here with my co-host, Brian Fleischer. Brian, what's up? What's up, Scott? How are you doing? Do we have a special episode for the Bilbos y Bilbas out there? We have a hugely special episode. We are joined by a very special guest. By El Presidente himself, Fernando Fiore. What does he talk about, Scott? All kinds of things. He is going to talk about his 55 days in Russia. Is I that believe, what said? yes, that's his correct. Almost two months spent in Russia for the World Cup. His eighth World Cup. Eighth, eighth World Cup. We don't want to ruin the whole thing, but yeah, really. Away. But he talks about a lot of things, and it's really exciting. He is, of course, the host. He was the host of World Cup tonight on Fox Sports mm-hmm. for this World Cup. He was a host on Univision for years. Yep, and as a iconic figure in Spanish language television, who has made the transition to English language television with Fox Sports. He was on the what do you say, Copa America Centenario coverage mm-hmm. and the Confederations Cup. Yep. And he is a, uh, how do we say this, an out-of-this-world personality? He is. And on top of all of that, he's a big fan of Panini. Yes. And that's sticker where albums. It all comes together in Bend It Like Beckett, where we talk about Bringing it all back soccer to cards. and collecting. And we got maybe the world's biggest fan of both of those things, because there aren't many fans... Bigger fans of soccer than Fernando, Mm-mm. and there certainly aren't many bigger fans of Panini collecting. <laughs> He's than extremely passionate about both topics, and he so he is perfect for Bend It Like Beckett, and for all maybe the new listeners to the show who might be listening just for Fernando Bilbo y Bilba, that is the name of a listener of Bend It Like Beckett, B I L B, and then it's gendered because it's fun to do it that way. Bilbo y Bilba. That's what that is. Use that hashtag on Twitter when you're talking about this great episode con El Presidente. And that interview is coming up right now. And we'd like to welcome in El Presidente, Fernando Fiore. Fernando, how are you doing? Oh, my God. Thank you very much, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, actually, this is, uh, this is the first time that I'm going to... That I'm gonna <laughs> go ahead and get and share some memories of uh, uh, of uh, you know a month ago when we uh, having a wonderful World Cup in uh, Russia. I uh, I got some vacation time after the after the final, so actually I came back to the U.S. Uh, not some time ago. So this is fantastic, and I'm uh, honored, and uh, it's a pleasure to be uh, with you guys. Yeah, so you finally recovered from the jet lag. <laughs> no, yeah, you know, now it's. I never had a problem with the jet lag. Actually, actually, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a pretty well uh, traveled, so I don't have any problems. Usually, my body gets used to right there, you know, pretty much in in, in, in hours uh, to where I am. So I have no problem with that. Thank God. Yeah, that's good. So, 
give us just a general overview of your time in Russia. How long were you there? And, you know, what are some of the, the fond memories that you'll take away from your time there? Yeah, okay. Well, um, I left I left uh, Miami, which is my, uh, my headquarters. Uh, you know, even though I'm working with uh, Fox Sports for the last three years, and they're based in L.A., but uh, the, I'm, I'm lucky enough that because I'm, I'm working with them uh, pretty much with the big events, and uh, I can travel around the world uh, whenever they need me, and uh, and I don't have to, you know, be based in another place, which is not my hometown for the last 20 years, which is Miami. So I left here on uh, June 7, and uh, and I was there all the way to the final, and then after the final, I stay a little bit in the area for vacation time, and uh, so the best memories, uh, I could say there. There were uh, there were the 55 days <laughs> that I spent there because it was a it was a great experience. Um, it was my first World Cup uh, with Fox after seven World Cups with Univision. Uh, so it was uh, it was everything was pretty much you know uh, new in terms of production and and you know the way to work, the language and uh, the the market, the audience, uh, you know the staff. Uh, the producers uh, and my colleagues. So it was pretty much the first World Cup for me. For you know, in many, in, in many departments. Uh, although, like I said, it was the A World Cup that I covered as a broadcaster. So it was a it was a great feeling. And uh, I would say that probably the the best memory I have of the of the trip was uh, was the day before they started the World Cup when they announced officially, finally, that the World Cup will be in U.S. Uh, Mexico and Canada in 2026. Uh, that was, I would say, pretty much the highlight of the whole trip because I was waiting for that moment to happen since the since the very bad, disastrous, I would say, day uh, back in 2001 when they when I was there in Zurich and they announced that the 2026 will be in Qatar, uh, 2022 will be in Qatar uh, instead of the U.S. Like everybody was hoping back then. So pretty much, you could say that I was waiting since December 2001 all the way to uh, <laughs> to June 2018 to finally be able to uh, to see that uh, we got uh, we got the World Cup again in uh, in our country, and I think this is going to be a, a fantastic opportunity for for soccer, for for fans, uh, for the whole world to see once again that we here in the United States. Are capable of doing probably, I would say, uh, one of the best or the best uh, organized World Cup in the whole history. So that was that was the moment, I guess. Yeah, I think there's the the video was released of of you. Uh, you kind of had a tear in your eye when you found that out, didn't you? Yeah. Well, the the first video, uh, the first video, I you know, it was completely by surprise. Because the first video was the one that I was. Uh, that I was hugging uh, Ian Wright because I, I, I stormed out of the place where we were staying at uh, that moment, which was a green room, a little green room uh, by, the, by the, the production area in the Red Square. And um, one of my good friends, the head of the wardrobe department, I didn't notice, she, she got the, she got the, <laughs> the phone and it was, uh, and it was uh, filming when I, when I stormed out of the place. And Ian Wright, he was just happened to be there. So it was a... Uh, it was, uh, an iconic moment, and then obviously I ran to the set because uh, they were doing a special show at that day that I was not involved in the broadcasting, but uh, it was a special show that it was uh, 
uh, Alexi and Rob and, uh, and, and some other of my colleagues. So I ran to there and uh, and then well that one that one I you know I you know I, I just went to congratulate them too because also I know that they were waiting for this moment for the longest time. And uh, but then I you know I realized that all the cameras were in front of us. So uh, so. It was uh, it, it, it was a moment of uh, of truth and, uh, and it really it was really something that you know I will probably never forget. The same way I, I will never forget the moment when uh, when Seth Blatter uh, removed the envelope and said Qatar. <laughs> I, will ne- I will never forget. I will never forget it. You know that that day that day in Zurich I was in the in the um, uh, in the convention hall and uh, about fifteen or twenty minutes before the they announced it. You know, everybody was passing around the news, and we were coming out, you know, in the in the phones that it was leaked already that it was Russia and Qatar. But I didn't want to believe. You know, you didn't want to believe it until the very last second. And and uh, and everybody was saying, "Oh my God, we are doomed. It's, it's Russia and Qatar. Russia to 2018, Qatar 2022." And we said, "No, no, it can't be. It can't be." Uh, and then 15 minutes later, uh, it was devastated. So this time around, I didn't have any leaks. So I didn't know it was a it was a big surprise. And when they said and, and the announcement, if you can recall, it was kind of difficult to uh, to uh, to understand in the beginning because they, they didn't say, OK, the 2026 World Cup will go to. They just said uh, uh, Mexico. And uh, so I didn't know if they're going to say Mexico, U.S. and Canada, the, you know, are out or they're going to be saying it's in. So finally, when they said. It is. Uh, they are going to be the host, the United bid. Uh, it was. It was something else, man. It was something else. I, I'm really happy about it. Yeah. So going back to the the Russian World Cup, you said this is your eighth World Cup that you've covered, and I know that we've talked about before. You've been to every World Cup host country. How does Russia compare to to the rest? And, and what were some of the unique oh, elements of Russia? Very, very good. Very, very good. I would say that it's uh, an extraordinary country. Uh, great people. Uh, I, I, I will put aside all the problems that we have in the political arena. Uh, there's not for me to discuss. Uh, there are another president that they are doing that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not involved. Uh, I'm not involved in, in, in those discussions. But um, the people, the country, uh, I know Russia very well. Uh, um, I've been to uh, seven of the cities that they hosted you know, this World Cup. So I can uh, I can say that uh, that I'm you know I'm pretty well versed in uh, in, in Russia uh, geography you know culture history and so on, um, and uh, it, it was very good. Uh, obviously, there's a big difference between uh, I would say the two big cities, uh, Moscow and Saint Petersburg, you know, and some of the small cities, uh, you, know, you can say uh, uh, Nizhny or Kaliningrad. You know, it, it's a it's a different atmosphere and different. Uh, type of, you know, event for, for a big city like Moscow, which is used to big events, and for a small cities, you know, uh, like the ones I mentioned. Or, but uh, nevertheless, it, it, it was fantastic. Uh, um, I would say that, you know, most of the people that I talked to, most of the people that they were there during the workout, they had a good time. Uh, I, I hardly hear any kind of problems or trouble or, or, or you know, or bad situations or bad memories so you know don't quote me for the rest of the work who went there but uh, but uh, in my experience and the ones that were close to me uh it was uh, it was really good 
you're a man of the people. You probably interacted with plenty of fans from other countries. W- was there one country that maybe stood out that had maybe the craziest fans or the, the most memorable fan experience that you had? Well, you know, by now and, and living in the U.S., uh, you know that uh, the Mexican fans are, you know, are from another world. They are fantastic in terms of uh, supporting their their national team. They go everywhere around the planet, and, and, and if Mexico national team will play some other day in Jupiter or Mars, uh, I, I'm sure that we go there too. So it's uh, you know it, it's the kind of fans that are loyal. Um, uh, they have resources. Uh, they are well prepared for traveling. They usually get a lot of uh, companies that they help them, uh, you know, to prepare those kind of trips. And if not, they do it on this, you know, on their own. Uh, but uh, they they probably are some of the most loyal fans. They uh, and they go around the world to support their national team. Uh, obviously, for me being Argentinian, I would say that the Argentinians are also, you know, very <laughs> very much into the national team. Even with all the problems that we have uh, for several years now, even that we didn't win anything uh, since 1993. Even that Messi is not up, up to the level with the national team or. or no, for that reason, neither of the other players are up to the up to the national team. Uh, uh, but we always expect more from Messi. That's what I mentioned it first. Uh, I think that the Argentinian fans, you know, they, they always believe. They always, uh, you know, go to every single city, go to every single stadium, and, and they're very famous for their for their songs. And, and they, they always have something new to present every World Cup. And and uh, so they are, you know, they are really good fans. Uh, I would say also another another set of fans uh, that they were really crazy about this World Cup were the Peruvians because they were you know for 36 years they didn't go to the World Cup so now uh, it, it's an old job. My, my girlfriend is from Peru and I have so many Peruvian friends and and they were you know they have a they have a joke around the community that they say well you know there were so many Peruvians going to Russia because they were saving money to go to a World Cup for so many years that you know <laughs> that they would all be able to. Uh, you know, to open the piggy bank and, and, and go to and go to Russia with no problem. So it was fantastic. It was a lot of lot of guys with a, uh, with a Peruvian uh, jerseys and uh, men and women. Unbelievable. They were they were everywhere. Yeah, we so, have a, we have several Peruvian coworkers, and one of them ended up going. And he, the amount of travel he had to go through just to get to one game was incredible. But it was worth it for him. <laughs> But everybody, like I said, they were waiting for so long, and then the whole story about Paulo Guerrero, Paulo Guerrero, yes, Paulo Guerrero, no, Paulo Guerrero, yes. So everything built up, and you know, uh, and and the and the way they qualify, you know, with the very last gasp, and 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 the problem that Chile, the famous Chilean, uh, you know, when they were asking for for those Bolivian uh, games that you know that they didn't uh, they didn't go their way because it was supposed to be a. Some players that they were, or one player that didn't, you know, that it, it was not supposed to be playing or those two games, and because of those points, Peru got over Chile, and, and Chile, you know, got eliminated, and then Peru went to the playoff, and they made it, and everything was, you know, like a, like a, like a, you know, a big dream, you know, come true. So it was, it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. So you were hosting the nightly show every night of the World Cup. It's your first World Cup that you were hosting in English. What was that? Yeah. Was there some difficulty with that? Did it take you a little bit to maybe get used to the new gig? Uh, 
I will I will say that uh, that obviously when you are you know when you're used to you know for so many years uh, to be doing it in one language and and then you switch it's not only your perspective it's not only that you switching but you also you have to expect that uh, that the audience will switch with you and uh, you know and 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 something that you know is proven that it's been working for so long with one particular audience you know you have to get the you know a different audience to be used to it. And uh, and I think that was a that was a very good thing that uh, that Fox uh, gave me the opportunity to do the same kind of show uh, for the last two summers. Uh, we did it first with Copa America Centenario, and then we did it with uh, uh, with the Confederations Cup. So in terms of uh, the people were waiting for uh, for for the same show, they were they embraced it. The first two years, like I said, it, it was a an, um, a huge success. And um, and then in this particular event, the audience was you know much bigger, and and, and obviously it was a, a different people that they were not only the ones who followed me over the years, but this was many casual fans that they will that they would come to the that they would come to every night to see the show. Uh, I, I would say that the, the the people because of social media and because of the research, Fox is very good with with that with research and surveys and. And they don't and they don't wait until the end of the tournament to see how the people react or or, or if the people like the show. They 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 go along with the event, and and if they need to make uh, adjustments, uh, they do it right there. So for us, it was a it was a, it was a great it was a great measurement to see that uh, you know by the end of by the end of the show we have almost half a million people watching the show every night. Uh, it also helped us a lot that uh, Telemundo, which they have the, the, the rights in Spanish, uh, they didn't have any highlight show late at night. Uh, so it was, a, it, was a, it was a great thing for us. Uh, I, I don't think that, you know, many, many, of, the, many of the media or, or, or TV critics, I don't think that they, uh, they appreciate it as much as the fans. And, and I think it's because, you know, they're, they, they wanted to get more serious about about football, which is not the case with uh, with a lot of fans. And and when I say this, is it's not that we're trying to to get down the level of knowledge or the level of seriousness of uh, of soccer because I can sit down and talk serious about soccer for the rest of my life. Uh, but uh, but uh, you have to understand that is there is a a lot of casual fans that they only come to see a soccer game. During the World Cup, and um, and you have to adjust to a very, you know, different audience when you when you do a show of this uh, of this of this uh, tenure uh, when you do a show of this uh, uh, of this caliber too uh, in a big event like this. Uh, so it's not an easy task, and I think that uh, we score a, a big, I would say. 7.5 or 8 out of 10 with the fans, and and that's what it you know that's what is very important for us. And and the same thing with the sponsors, the same thing with uh, with uh, the people in the industry. Uh, one of the things that that it really surprised me somehow, and uh, and it was and it was very rewarding is that as soon as I came back from Russia, I went to the MLS hostel in Atlanta, and uh, and I shared a suite that the MLS suite. There was a lot of people from CNN. And so they were colleagues, which I never met before. You know, a lot of executive producers and producers and, and, and people related with, uh, with, uh, with CNN uh, sports uh, department. And they all 
came to me to tell me, you know, Fernando, we love that show. It was completely different. It was it was something that you know that people embrace. So it, it was a great thing. You see, I, I'm I'm a, I'm a firmly believer of uh, of the word of mouth and you know obviously the social media and the research. So for me, it was a it, it was a you know a great experience. Uh, saying that, I think that we can improve. You know, I think that we can improve for the next for the next. Uh, you know, women's World Cup next year in France. I think that we can do better. You know, you never, you never, you know. Usually in television, you say that you know your best show, you know, or or you you have a good show as you know as your last show. And uh, so we're trying to make it better for the next time. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about something that you're really passionate about. <laughs> We've talked a lot about Panini stickers and albums. I know you're very, very passionate about that. Can you tell? our listeners, how you got started in the collecting world. Yeah, you, you mentioned um, social media. Throughout the World Cup, as I was scrolling through Twitter, almost every time I'd come across one of your videos where you were spread out on a table with all your Panini stickers and your albums. So, so yeah, I'd be interested to hear how you kind of got connected with Panini and, and your history with, with the albums and, and just collecting the stickers over the years. I would say that was another of the amazing things that happened to me during the World Cup. And that's how exactly I measure how successful was our show, World Cup Tonight, you know, in relation with the Panini social media and the videos, because everybody was uh, was uh, watching the videos. They loved them, which was the same. You see, it's the same premise. It's the same uh, kind of, uh, you know, I enjoy, you know, soccer. I enjoy the passion that, uh, that the people have about football. But I also enjoy the casual fan or the casual, uh, you know, collector that they only collect, you know, Panini in World Cup. You know, it's a, it's a different it's a different brand. But uh, but uh, that is a kind of uh, you know people that you know that I love to 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 keep and I love to pay attention to because those are the fans that you have to make them stay with the collection like Panini, and you have to stay also with a with a sport. And you know, according to where I work, in this case. Uh, that I'm that I'm doing uh, my work in, in Fox. So so I, I love I love collecting. Uh, I <laughs> I collect a lot of things in my life. Uh, uh, I'm in my office right now at home, and, and in front of me there, uh, I would say about 50 or some uh, jerseys signed by by uh, soccer players from Maradona, Pelé, and Messi to uh, all uh, all the Barcelona. Champions League champs, uh, Milan, and and uh, you know, Risto Stoichkov and uh, MLS. You know, I'm, I'm looking around and it says, "Wow, man! You know, this is the story of my life, collecting." And then uh, I could go, to, I could go to my uh, to my bookshelf and I would, I, I would find out all my Panini, my Panini albums since uh, 1998, which is when I started to collect. And uh, this is something that a lot of people ask me, "How did I start it?" And I was uh, doing a uh, uh, right before the World Cup in 1998, I was doing a radio show, a local radio show here in Miami, uh, with Caracol Radio, 12:60 a.m., <laughs> which uh, you know it's a, it's a local, it's a network radio around the country. But I was working for the local station, and um, and I saw that you know I saw that a lot of people before the World Cup, the World Cup was approaching, a lot of people were talking about the collection of Panini, you know. And I said, you know, and and I started like you know everybody else, go and buy a couple of packets. And, 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 and usually get my album for free, like on all those promotions. 
And, uh, and then one day, I, I, I thought that there were so many listeners to our show that they were commenting and that I, I said it just randomly. I said, listen, guys, so many of you are talking about the Panini collection. You know, and I know it's difficult to fill up the album unless you trade because, you know, nobody wants to spend, actually, even Panini as, as a brand. They, they encourage you to trade. They don't want you to buy and buy and buy and buy packets. It's, it's, a, it's a great company because they, they really, you know, trying to promote not only, yes, a product. Go and buy the original, you know, 20, 30 bucks. But then the whole thing about collection and the whole thing about Panini, and that's what I love about the company, is that they promote that sense of family first, you know, friends, community, and even with people that you don't even know. That's why they come to trading days. So back then in, in uh, 1998, I said, listen, guys, why? I, I don't want to claim that I was the, <laughs> the originator or, or the inventor of the trading day. <laughs> but why don't you come to, don't come to the station? My show, is, it was from 2, from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. And, and, and no one knew about trading days back then, in 1998. I, I don't recall that everybody will know about that. So I said, why you don't come to the, to the, to the station at 4.05, and we exchange. We exchange, you know, like we did when we were kids. You know, that's what we were doing when I, when I was a kid. You exchange with your friends. So, uh, I don't, like I say, I don't, I don't want to get the credit, but I think that uh, that was pretty much officially in Miami the first day that it was an impromptu uh, trading day by the radio station in Colonel Gables, Miami. And, and I didn't know, I didn't expect pe- so many people to come. Now, to tell you the truth, I say, well, you know, who's gonna, you know, grab their album, grab their, grab their the ones that they have uh, twice or three times, and come all the way to the radio station to do trade. But, you know, you will be surprised, man. At the end of the show, there were a lot of people waiting for me outside. And then we start to do it regularly. And then uh, I used to go to the restaurants to do the same thing. And that's the way I started in 1998. Uh, somehow, uh, you know, because I was already in Univision for, you know, quite some time at that time, and my shows were, you know, were, were a big, big hit. At that time, I was doing a, a show with Sofia Vergara. I'm, here, I'm sure you you heard about her. We've heard of uh, that person, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, she, she started her career in the U.S. with me uh, doing, doing a show, a traveling show around the world. And uh, so those days, that show of us, it was it was number one across the board from uh, from all the all the Spanish channels. So you know, someone you know knew that I was uh, collecting Panini, and somehow it gets to the, an agency, and then they come and say, "Listen, you can be you know our spokesperson. Why you don't you know why we don't do something together?" And then I I did that for uh, Copa Americas, and uh, I think the first one it was the following one, I think, or no, 2001. It was the first Copa America that I did with Panini, and we were doing uh, you know, uh, promotions. And from that point on, I've been uh, we've been you know <laughs> together like Batman and Robin. And uh, and I you know right now I I get uh, I get uh, the nickname of Mr. Panini after I after I uh, you know I was wearing my wonderful Panini suit, Panini blazer, and my <laughs> Panini top. <laughs> Yeah, you can only many of the many of my shows during the during the World Cup. I have my panini, my panini tie, and uh, and also in many of my uh, in many of my <laughs> of my social media pictures with the FIFA museum. I was with my panini my panini suit with Christian Kerenbe, 
And uh, so now I'm Mr. Panini. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think Brian is a kindred spirit when it comes to how you put the sticker in the album. I know you're very particular about how you do that. And, they, and can't, I, they can't be crooked. They have to line up exactly. They have to be perfectly centered in the square box. I don't like it when they're off to the left or off to the right. They need to be perfect. Well, of course, is, is there any other way? No, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Is there any other way to do it? I, I, if, if there is any other way, I never noticed. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you, you can call me that I'm a little anal, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So uh, wrapping this up, I know you have some involvement with the new MLS franchise in Miami, David Beckham's new franchise. What can you tell us about that? When will we see them on the field? And I saw a rumor about what they might be called. Can you inform us uh, on that a little bit? Well, I don't want to disappoint you and I don't want to disappoint myself, but uh, I still don't have an official title. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. I thought I could get it out of you. Yeah, that official relationship with the team. Uh, although I'm a, I'm a member and uh, and I've been very much uh, involved with uh, our fan base, which is called Southern Legion, and you can follow them also at Southern Legion on Twitter, which uh, we have there all the news uh, and, and and all the breakup news about the about the team. Uh, but we've been together with Southern Legion for many years now we've been supporting this idea and uh, and unfortunately it took too many years to uh to get to this point um uh, I, actually you know it, it looks like uh, yesterday it was it, it looks not it was yesterday they were trademarked um the logo and it looks like it's the same company again it doesn't look like it is the same company that uh, that has been doing some trademarks about names for the Beckham Group. So we can uh, assume, and you know what happens when you assume, but uh, <laughs> that yeah, that this would be one that is in the social media now is going to be pretty much close to the logo or the logo, the colors, the name, uh, international, international club, the football, the Miami. Yes, it is in Spanish. People say why. I say why not. Uh, you it's know, Miami. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's Miami. Exactly, it's Miami. And then, and then I have some some colleagues like uh, like Mr. Alexi Lalas uh, that they storm and, and 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 my good friend Rachel Boneda also that they stormed uh, the social media yesterday asking if there were flamingos or what kind of birds were there <laughs> in the logo. And, uh, and and I told them very, you know, listen, it could be flamingos, it could be blue herons, which it looks like what it is. It could be cranes, it could be pterodactyls. I don't care. The logo says Miami, and <laughs> and that's what it all. That's what it matters to me. Yeah, that's it, all that matters. A, it's a new. It's a new team. It's a new. Um, it, it's a new beginning. Uh, and then again, believe me, I you know the same way that I have uh, a lot of good memories about some of these uh, situations now that with the team that they probably will start, according to the time schedule, we start to play in 2020, uh, not in our own stadium, but probably in, uh, in a stadium close by here. But, uh, you know, the same thing that it was making me so happy about that, it also devastated me when uh, when the Miami Fusion uh, was eliminated by 
MLS, uh, you know, 17 years ago. So uh, it was sad. It was very sad back then. Uh, I was, I was, you know, supporting the idea of having another team here in Miami for so long. I was very vocal in the beginning in every press conference uh, with Don Garber and, uh, and and when every every time I, you know, I. Uh, I was there in, you know, in uh, MLS All-Star Games or MLS Cups or, or, you know, at any time I'd say, why? Why you didn't get a team? Why we are not getting back? And, you know, it was always the same, the same kind of uh, answers until I stopped asking. But obviously, you know, for the MLS, the way that the MLS is organized, uh, you know, guys, is completely different than, you know, from the other leagues around the world, the ones that, you know, uh, the traditional, you know, leagues, uh, this is, a league that is one big entity, uh, so it's difficult sometimes to try to get uh, the owners that they would be, uh, you know, committed to uh, to a team. Then you have to find a good place for the stadium, and so on and so on. So finally, I think that uh, all the stars align, all the planets align, and now we will have the team in 2020. Hopefully, there will be we will be playing in in our own stadium by 2021, and uh, the first moves are you know. They're already happening. They uh, they already announced the, which will be the director, the general manager kind of thing, uh, Mr. McDonough here. That you know he was working with uh, Orlando uh, and and then with Atlanta, so he got a lot of experience with the MLS and how to start up teams. And and then seems like the colors, the names, the 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 name, yeah, and, um, and probably the kids will be you know revealed pretty soon. And then you have to start thinking about what's going to happen with uh, with the team, you know, with the coach. They're going to, you know, they have to get a coach, and they have to start to to get the players next year. What uh, about uh, Coach Fiore? Uh, no, I don't think. <laughs> that. No, man, no, no. Coaches, coaches are, you know, like they say, they it's an old saying with the coaches. They always have uh, the suitcase ready in. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> And I don't want to move out of Miami. <laughs> so, no, no. Yeah, you still you, st- you still play in your uh, your rec league every Sunday, right? I'm sorry. You still play in a um, a men's yeah. league every week, right? Every Saturday, actually, I we I play now every now that I'm back from Russia. I play every Wednesday night and every Saturday. Uh, don't ask me about the result last night because we didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> but. In, I will tell you that in the last four games since I came back from Russia, uh, we got two Ws and spells. So it's, it's not bad at all. It's a, it's a team that I formed. My, my rec league, actually, it, it's a group of friends, well, you know, about 50, 50 old guys, <laughs> over, over 30. <laughs> that, uh, we've been getting together for the last 15 years, and I, and I did the group myself. And I'm so proud of that because it's one of the one of the things that everybody you know thank me every time because the group is fantastic. We saw our kids uh, being born and grow up. Some of the other guys already have uh, grandkids, and, uh, and 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 it's a, an incredible incredible group. We playing we playing uh, twice a week. Uh, it's called the Golden Year Soccer League, which is <laughs> it's our our. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, you know, we're having a great time, having a great time. And actually, you know that last night I look around and I think I'm the oldest guy on the team right now because one of the guys that was older than me, he's, uh, he's been out of the team for about three months with an injury. But I was looking around and said, oh, my God, I'm the 
all this one. <laughs> so that's why I don't run as much. Yeah, <laughs> you got to be careful out there. Well, that's Fernando. <laughs> yeah. That's not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you joining us. Um, where can we find you in the future? You said you'll be at the Women's World Cup next summer, but in between, where can we be watching you and keeping up with you um, in between World Cups? Yeah, well, uh, I'm working also with the U.S. Soccer Foundation, and I'm trying to help as much as I can with a, with a Soccer for Success uh, program they're doing. They're trying to build, uh, you know, 5v5 uh, fields around the country with, uh, you know, in the communities that they need, they need it the most. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm working with them a lot. But in terms of, uh, in terms of broadcasting, um, there is a lot of projects. I, you know, I, I don't have anything that is, uh, that is 100% sure right now. My contract is with Fox, uh, so I'm, I'm working with Fox in whatever you know capacity they uh, <laughs> they need me, and, and uh, so I'm under contract with with Fox. But uh, but Fox, you know, is so grateful to you know to let us work, uh, you know, with another companies when uh, when there is not a big event that you know that we need to be there. And you can see the examples of uh, my good co-host uh, Kate Abdo. That she's working now with Turner, also with uh, with the Champions League, and, uh, and my good friend uh, Stuart Holden, that is also working there. Um, so I, I think that for us, it's a it's a great it's a great thing that you know we work we work with a big, great company like Fox Sports, but you know we can also you know do work for some other companies, and that's what I'm you know we are we are now in negotiations with different things, and uh, and we'll see. We'll see. I'm taking. I'm taking a long vacation, and I would say about two months in vacation, which I already pretty much burned the first one. So I'm. I'm in the second month of my vacation. I'm, I'm <laughs> probably gonna. Go, I'm gonna probably gonna go to Argentina for a while, and uh, and then come back. And then remember, then they will start with the qualifications for the Women's World Cup. The Concacaf starts in um, in October, so I'm probably gonna be uh, around around the U.S. and the Mexican national team. Going around, getting prepared, getting. Uh, you see, I'm, I'm not as versed in, uh, in in women's soccer that I'm in men's soccer. So I, you know, I admit it, and uh, that's why I have to prepare and I have to be involved. And uh, and I will do that in the next uh, in the next month. Uh, and and uh, that would be part of that would be part of my preparation for next year. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. We will uh, keep up with you then and, and watch you during the Women's World Cup next summer. Thank you, thank you, Fernando. Thanks, Fernando. Before uh, you can follow me in at Fernando Fiore on Twitter and uh, Fiore Official in Instagram, so you can see all the developments and all the and all the good things that happen uh, between here and uh, one. It's only two hundred and eighty-four days away. The women <laughs> work. So it's, uh, it's, yeah, actually, it's unbelievable because my boss just sent us an email uh, yesterday. Say, guys. Uh, we still didn't do, you know, a briefing of Russia, and we are only 294 days away from from France. <laughs> but now uh, we're probably going to be doing a big meeting uh, coming up soon uh, to uh, to see everything that that uh, you know that it happened during the Russia event, and 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 like I said, and you know, and, and, and like always with Fox Sports, we're trying to see what we can get better for the next for the next event, but. Saying that the next event is less than 300 days away, so <laughs> you can't you can't take so much vacation. That's why don't tell anyone. But I'm taking this two month vacation because I know that once we get into the gear again, it's gonna be another madhouse. So, <laughs> so that's what I, 
like joining me right now. Uh, thank you very much for uh, for inviting me. It, it's a pleasure. You know, I love to talk about about football, about Panini. And uh, if you ever have a podcast about uh, rock and roll, you can call me also. <laughs> <laughs> That's another of that's another of my passions. So you can you can come here. By by the way, tomorrow I'm gonna go for, to see Def Leppard and Journey. <laughs> All right. All right. We'll have you right. on our Def Leppard podcast. Def Leppard podcast. Yeah. Thank you very much, and uh, have a wonderful afternoon. And uh, God bless you. All right. We'll talk All to right, you thank later. Thank you, Thanks, Fernando. Fernando. You uh. You recovered from that uh, that amazing interview with Fernando Fiore, Brian? I think I need a nap. Yeah. <laughs> he took us in many different directions at rapid-fire pace. You know, I don't know that I'm the world's best interviewer, but he sure makes me feel like the world's best interviewer. He's great. Because you ask one question, and you get all kinds of content. <laughs> it doesn't even have to be a good question. Fernando will make it a good he question. He will make it a good question. That's why he is who he is. El Presidente. El Presidente. And like we said, you can catch him on Women's World Cup coverage, which he said starts in like 285 days or something like yeah, that. Yeah, the, the qualifying for the women start in October for CONCACAF. He said he might be involved with some of that. Mm-hmm. So he's uh, getting prepared for that and recovering from the World Cup. As we all are. But we all are also watching Premier League. We We're going to use this episode to... Talk about maybe some of the transfers that happened, mm-hmm. maybe having watched some of them this weekend, maybe preview a little bit of the Premier League. But we're not going to do that because we had El Presidente himself on this episode. Why would we talk about anything else? We'll see you guys next week where we will talk about more Premier League stuff. And I might finally be able to say the last name of Chelsea's new keeper. You got to stay tuned to see if I can do it. Arita Balaga? We'll see if I can do it next time. All right. Brian's going to be practicing that. We're going to be watching more Premier League. And we will catch you guys next week on Bend It Like Beckett. Scott Bedgood here with my ho-ho. <laughs> my ho-ho. With, your, with your ho-ho. My ho-ho. <laughs>